Shannon Nelson for CEO.ca. One of the many benefits of being the mother of this website's founder, Tommy Humphreys, is that I get to interview some remarkable people in the investment world. Frank Holmes, CEO and CIO of U.S. Global Investors, is one of those people. Frank is well-known and respected as an expert on gold, natural resources, and emerging markets. He's one of the most active investors in this space and a veritable dynamo, traveling constantly to research both new prospects and existing holdings, and presenting to summits and conferences all over the world. CEO.ca is proud to have Frank Holmes as our guest. Let's start with the company, Frank. What is U.S. Global Investors? It is a registered investment advisor. We advise mutual funds and hedge funds with a unique expertise in emerging markets and resources. Okay, so I know this is a fluctuating thing, obviously, but roughly how much money do you have under management right now? About a billion dollars. Your focus is on the junior resource sector. Lots of risk in that sector. Well, really, that's just a small component. We're involved with uh, Eastern Europe. We're one of the first fund groups to go into Eastern Europe, and the whole theme of the euro being created. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fund like that went from $4 million to a $1 billion prior to 2008. Wow. And uh, we also have a China fund, which has given me a good feel of going back and forth to Asia. And it's so important because China is the 800-pound commodity gorilla, uh, and they consume 50% of the marginal supply that's out there. And so they're a key factor and understanding what drives our resource funds. So I I think that that idea of of resources and emerging markets are highly correlated. So can you kind of paint a picture of who your typical investor might be? They're more educated is what we have found from surveys we have done. Many of them have uh, postgraduate degrees. And they follow that we advocate a 10% weighting in gold and rebalance each year. So we have many small accounts. So if someone has a $100,000 account, they would have $10,000 in gold, which is just as a fund, is classified as a small fund uh, overall, but we just feel that that's been prudent. Uh, we have found that those who have postgraduate degrees and graduate degrees have a greater curiosity for emerging nations, etc. And then we have quite a few shareholders that uh, were in military that uh, traveled uh, and were stationed o- around the world, and th- it's much easier for them to buy in to the cost of, a, of buying, making investments outside of America. Right. Uh, you mentioned your 10% rule with regard to gold. Are you bullish on gold right now? Yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm bullish on, on gold for several factors. Uh, one is real global GDP uh, fell from 2011, 12, and 13, and seems to have bottomed and is on the rise. It fell from 5.4% to 3%, and that's very significant for the love trade, which is half of this whole gold move to 1900. Uh, and if we have this GDP per capita starting to, in real terms starting to rise in emerging countries, then I think you'll start seeing a consumption of gold pick up. Uh, so that's another that's one other factor. The other big factor is uh, we're in the second half of the year. And there's a, t- a tremendous uh, repeated, repetitive pattern, a seasonal pattern for gold to start to rise with these religious holidays in the Middle East, uh, India, and uh, they end. So they start with Ramadan uh, in the summer, and they end with the Chinese New Year. Right. So this is what you refer to as the love trade. Correct. 
And uh, so we're in that part of the season. So we have two factors, rising GDP per capita, which is significant, and we have um, the uh, seasonality that takes place with that. I think the third part is how fast now Europe is worried about their economy, so is China. They trigger stimulus. Right. Uh, we saw three weeks ago Germany go to negative real interest rates. Well, when that happens, all of a sudden you start seeing gold rise in euro terms. The dollar has been relatively strong, euro has been weaker, but gold has been rising in euro terms. Uh, I think that that is important to, to uh, witness that we could see gold you're based on negative real interest rates in the U.S. with CPI numbers this week, based on the fear in Europe, uh, gold should be trading around $1,400 an ounce. It's interesting to me that uh, gold stocks have outperformed the metal itself. Can you comment on that? Well, you know, it's a good question because historically it's been a three-to-one ratio. So right. gold goes up 1%, stocks would go up 3%. Gold goes down 1%, gold would fall 3%. And what has happened since gold hit 1900 is that the gold has come off less, but the gold stocks have really declined. And that, and so we've, we were much more oversold mathematically with gold stocks than we were, say, with gold. And, uh, and I think you're just getting that significant rebound back to the mean. I've written about it, and it's only in 30 years, it's only happened three times that gold stocks fell for three years in a row. Now we're getting part of that mean reversion. Okay. Uh, we've talked a little bit about cycles. I've, I've heard you say the trend is your friend. I've also heard a lot of people say that the super cycle is dead. So um, can you comment on whether or not investors should avoid juniors for the next 20 years? No, I don't think. I think you have to be extremely selective. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening in the marketplace, the shakeout. It's just to be extremely selective. Management is, is, is key. Uh, management that can get their to- story told. We look at now when we get money into a mining company, it's a job interview. We're giving that person money and we basically want to almost fingerprint them and, and do a, a, a test on them. You know, it's just a, a that level uh, of care. Uh, we don't like it's just a metaphor, but it is really important that that CEO knows all the newsletter writers. The CEO knows all the buy sell buy side analysts, all the sell side analysts, so that they can communicate the story to create a natural liquidity in the marketplace. And I would say that in looking at our math, we did some recent research on this, about 80% really don't know the street. Yeah. So they know engineering, they may know geologists, but that's only one key factor in raising capital. Um, Frank, there's a famous Mark Twain quote that says, a gold mine is a hole in the ground with a liar on top. And you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm just curious to know if you've developed a pretty good gut for who can actually make it happen. You must have. Well, yeah, but you still make mistakes on that basis. Uh, I, I wouldn't say so much that they're, they're liars or that. I think that it's such a high-risk game that the promoters have to throw in so many verbs and adjectives to make the nouns exciting. And that's where the disappointment takes place. Uh, and Barry Cooper, who's retired from CIBC, which is, who's a wonderful mining analyst, uh, engineer, CFA, MBA, this guy had more degrees than a thermometer. Right. And he did some uh, very significant research. And one of the things that he said is that when gold, when, when the street 
the, the CEOs are advertising, promoting, that they expect their production to rise at 10% over the next three years, it's minus 5%. Oh, wow. And when they say they're going to grow it at 20%, it's plus 4%. <laughs> Big difference. And so one has to just... Yeah, one just has to be really, really cautious in, in their future models of really expecting that to take place because it's such a risky business. Right. You have the risk of the commodity. You have the risk of governments moving the goalposts. You have the risk of, of weather that can delay or disappoint. And you have this risk of NGOs, the non-good organizations. <laughs> uh, they can be so disruptive to a project coming on stream. Can you explain? Uh, what you call the first mover advantage. Anyone in particular come to mind who illustrates this? Well, I think it's two factors. I, quite often I comment that knowledge is, is basically like an X and Y axis uh, for that Z outcome or Z outcome. It's your explicit knowledge and your tacit knowledge. Okay. And the explicit knowledge is like getting your driver's license. That doesn't mean you're a good driver. Right. Your tacit knowledge is walking the ground, getting to know people, developing a, what are their values as a human being, uh, developing and hearing the gossip and filtering it. So it's an arbitrage between your tacit knowledge and your fiscal knowledge. Now, you can become a proficient driver and diagnosing in the U.K., and you've got to drive the opposite, of the opposite side of the road and take all these new courses for new signage. Once again, you have to have this tremendous curiosity first mover advantage. You have to be very curious. Uh, you have to appreciate explicit and tacit knowledge. And then you just see things happening. So anyone in particular that uh, that you can think of who, who who's really very good at this? At the first mover advantage, well, probably one of the most brilliant people I know would be Frank Justra. That is, is the capacity to um, feel and, and, and try to grasp intellectually at the same time feel that we're due for a turn. And I would say that in some of these emerging countries, uh, Serafino, uh, Iacono basically took us into Colombia early and had this vision. It was hard to digest at the time. Uh, but people like him have that vision. In, in the UK, it would be a young uh, entrepreneur, Andrew Groves. Uh, he sees vision. He's built companies to $2 billion in value and sold them. And he sold several for a couple hundred million dollars. Um, Robert Friedland, uh, I, I think that they sort of, because they're such global uh, citizens, that they can perceive and see things faster. Anyone else? Sure. I think that uh, some of those great people that have the capacity to have personal advantage of Jim McBurney and GMP. And I think of GMP were the uh, seed financiers of BlackBerry. Right. Um, and uh, they were in technology early. Then they went in and captured the resources. Uh, and so he's a very savvy lawyer. Uh, and the, the fact is that he could see things and, and jumped on them is quite impressive. Another person I think that's been in that capacity to see change and adapt is Paul Reynolds. And I thought that uh, he was, a, you know, a, a, that quickness of mind. And I also believe that Paul Stevens in the U.S., that, that started the firm Robertson Stevens, that eventually is sold. And uh, uh, Paul was very, very early in the resource sector. And uh, he's a great thought leader, intense. He's now heavily invested in Bitcoin with his family wealth. And um, he's a really interesting, focused individual. 
All right, Frank, on a personal note, I know that you are on the road constantly. I'm curious to know if you've got any secrets to keeping your energy up given your schedule. <laughs> My energy. I think that it's um, working out, Yeah. watching what you eat, take time to meditate or pray. Okay, and I'm sure that those things would also contribute to maintaining balance in your life. Well, I try to. You know, it's, it's, it's always a tough task to do that, and uh, it's, it's being just curious to try to evolve with it. You know, this idea of working out, that's something that uh, I found uh, many great entrepreneurs, uh, Rupert Murdoch, you know, he works out religiously. Robert Friedland works out every day, wants to get his heartbeat up to 150 beats a minute and hold it for a half hour. Uh, Frank Schustra, Paul Reynolds, CEO of Canaccord, another one that's taken up to be a triathlete. Wow. Um, so that's how they maintain their, their energy and their focus. So I, I used to run a lot of marathons. Uh, I think I've run 18 of them. And so now uh, I do half marathons because I had a little scoping on the knee and, and just uh, the, the four-hour marathon is just too much terror. So when you're in different countries, which you are all the time, what about jet lag? How do you deal with that? That's that's always a big issue, you know. It's um, how do you jumpstart your body and, and get in, in gear? It's just hopefully I can do it. That's what I feel like at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't drink much when I fly. Right. If or not, no alcohol and, uh, and no coffee, and drink a lot of water and uh, go to sleep. That's the biggest thing I try to do is get that time to sleep. What are some of your favorite websites and newsletters that our readers should subscribe to? I think it's just helpful for people to be diverse. In that respect, I love uh, psychology today. I love the behavioral finance articles, the psychology, social psychology, evolutionary psychology, because psychology is very significant to appreciate in capital markets. Well, if you look at gold producers, in 2007, they peaked at 24 times cash flow. Mm -hmm. In January of this year, they started off the year at five times cash flow. So why is that? You know, the gold didn't fall eighty percent. What, what was that factor? And it's the emotions of people feeling fear or confidence. And when they start getting confidence, they bid up these companies at a higher cash flow. Same, same dollar value for the same dollar of earnings. Why does in one cycle someone pay twenty-four times earnings, and another time they pay five? And the big money to be made is always the expansion of that multiple, and the big losses is the compression of that multiple. So I think it's really important to understand the psychology of people and yourself, why are you risk adverse, why do you take take on certain risks, etc. I love that. I also like ESPN uh, for sports. I like uh, Harvard Business Review. Uh, I really enjoy McKinsey Consulting. I think when it comes to looking at just pure analysis of gold stocks, I respect Dennis Boyko who's from Vancouver. Dennis has a, a site that basically takes the GDXJ or takes anything you want and creates with that a complete universe of comparable analysis. And so it allows you to quickly compare any small cap gold stock, how they're being valued on a reserve per share uh, versus the index itself. We do that. We think that way. Kitco, I think Kitco is a go-to every day to keep my eye on the pulse and take a look at what are they sending out, what are they looking at. I find that, that very useful. You travel in some pretty Tony circles. You've met lots of really important people in the world. You call many of them your friends. 
in the political world. Is there one politician that you particularly admire? In getting to know people, President Clinton is, is a magnificent person. His ability to interact with people, um, to engage, his uh, tremendous curiosity from reading fiction novels to the history of America, and he follows all the sports. Okay, so we'll call Bill Clinton the next time we want to know the odds on a big sporting event. Speaking of odds, Frank, what advice can you give a budding entrepreneur to increase his or her odds of success? Surround yourself with good people, and good things will happen to you, not for you. It's very important. There's no to you. There's no entitlement. They just happen for you. And uh, a book that uh, Frank Schuster and President Clinton, and especially Frank, share with me is, is the Four Agreements and uh, understanding having that sort of value system, a personal value system, I think is very, very important. Uh, and, and it's really as caught up with who you surround yourself with will inspire you and motivate you, or they will usurp your energy. And I think that that's, that's quite important. Uh, if, you, if you can join YEO to get around other young entrepreneurs, I started out of Vancouver. Um, I, I think it is a certain critical mass you need to have employees and revenue. It's not extraordinary, but if you get involved with that, then all of a sudden you're around 100 other young entrepreneurs, and they have events for couples. Uh, so they are, they are entrepreneurial-driven in their spirit of what they do, and a lot of it is, is energy, um, and that's what's key here. It's clear Frank Holmes follows his own advice about surrounding himself with positive influences. Names like Frank Joostra, Robert Friedland, Paul Reynolds, and Bill Clinton, the president, keep coming up in conversation with him. And although he works all the time, I suspect his work also doubles as his play. He obviously loves what he does. Thank you, Frank Holmes, for an interesting interview. I'm Shannon Nelson for CEO.ca.